Uh, Grace Revolution number eight, and the title of the talk is uh, It's Not About You. Welcome, and uh, uh, the let's let's just let's just pray and let's uh, let's give the glory where the glory belongs. Daddy God, thank you so much once again for your presence, for your smile. For your embrace, thank you, Lord, that we can relax in your presence because you're a good God. And I'm asking you, Daddy, to help me tonight to serve some purpose so that we don't just get more knowledge, but that somehow we can get something clicking in our heart that will give us life and revelation and joy and peace Mm. and all the things you died for. Thank you, Daddy. Amen. All right. We have... um, we have uh, started eight weeks ago. Baby, can you just give me that, uh, that the folder there? Yeah, this is... Uh, thanks. This is... Uh, if any one of you wants to give it to somebody or for yourself, this is the first six lessons of uh, Grace Revolution. And at the back here, yeah, it's also got uh, all the uh, PowerPoint presentations so that uh, this, this is a complete study. I don't know how long we're going to go with Grace Revolution, but uh, we'll go at least uh, 12 lessons. This is number eight. <clears throat> and uh, last week I've noticed that uh, uh, we, we, I tried to uh, not to recap. I tried to use a scripture to recap, but it didn't work. So here we go. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, beca- recap, Re- recap. <laughs> okay, so but but I, but I promise I'm gonna do it quickly. Okay, number one, uh, we started this whole thing, this whole teaching, with the idea that there's a different cheese. Now, what is a different cheese? A different cheese is something that sometimes we are used all our lives. We have eaten a certain type of cheese. And we're used to that. We're used to that, and so we're happy with that. We don't know anything about a better cheese or a different cheese or a, or, a, or a foreign cheese or another cheese because we've been eating that cheese all our lives. And that goes with the teachings of the church. We've been taught all our lives certain things, and we've never realized that there is another side to the cheese. There is another gospel, there is another, there is another dimension, there is another uh, um, story, there is another uh, thing that can bring us life. And I don't know about you, but I, I was blessed to not to have a, a religious background, apart from my Catholic background, but, but I didn't have any religious background. Like, like I told you, sometimes I was the only one in my school that, got <clears throat> that failed religion. And um, so I would fail it again, uh, because I don't believe in religion, I believe in Christ. So, there's a different cheese, there's a different, and that's, that's a flavor that I'm trying to serve you. Uh, and I've been trying to serve you from the beginning, because um, it's, it's different. It's, it's, a different. it's a different type of uh, uh, gospel, it's a different type of uh, 
uh, understanding. Religion. Religion, is it a covenant or is it a contract? And we've seen that religion is based on contractual relationship. In other words, a religion, every religion, from, uh, from uh, Judaism to Islam to Catholicism and to, to most of the branches of uh, Protestantism, uh, including the Evangelicals, the Charismatics, the Pentecostals, it, everything, 90% I would say of the relationship that has been created by the church between the church and Christ is based on, on a contract. In other words, if I do something, God will do something else. That is a contract. A contract is a, is a bilateral uh, relationship whereby I do something, you do something else. And that's the, how the relationship is based. And again, I mentioned to you that most of marriages are, b are based on that, are based on a contract. In other words, if you behave, I love you. If you don't behave, I don't love you. If you behave, if, you, if you're good and you make me good food and you good in bed and you do this and you do that and you do the other, then everything is fine. But if you slip up some way, then I react contractually and I say, why? Because you owe me. You are my husband, you are my wife, and so therefore you owe me. And because you owe me, if you don't pay up, there's something missing in our relationship. And that is the sad, sad, sad state of some of the <coughs> unions that I see all over the world uh, that are based on, con on a contract. But Christianity is not based on a contract, it's based on a covenant. And the covenant is very simple. For God so loved the world that he... That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall never perish but have everlasting life right now there's no there's no um, contract in that there's no God so loved the world that asked the world to do something so that he could no there was there, there is no return there is no there is no um, counterpart there is no there is no payment there is no they, they, it starts with god it ends with god it doesn't even include us for god so loved the world that he did whatever it was needed to be done and all that he asked us to do is to believe that he did it that's it so that's the covenant uh, then the then then we looked at the fact that uh, when does the new covenant start if our relationship with God is based on the covenant, we know that the old covenant stopped. But when does the new covenant start? And we've seen that contrary to what most churches preach and most Bibles um, declare, the new covenant does not start at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. But it starts with the death of Christ. Not with the birth of Christ, but with the death of Christ. And if you stop, and this is one thing that I ask you to do, I ask you to to try and stop this momentum, this religious momentum that carries you into viewing um, God and Christianity in a certain way. We, we, ha we have this momentum, and so we, we know what that says, we know what it says. I'm asking you to stop, wait a minute, and check what the Bible says. Because I will show you some things that most of us haven't seen ever. And, and like this being one, I don't know how many of you realize that the new covenant did not start with the birth of Christ, but starts with the death of Christ. Why? Because when does a testament come into operation? When the person dies. Right? And when does it, when, when 
the, the penalty of the Old Testament was death, right? So when did the Old Testament die? When the culprit, which in this case was Jesus Christ, because God loaded him, put all our sin on him, and so he became, he became sin. And becoming sin, he became the culprit of the old covenant, and so he deserved to die. The penalty for that was death. And Jesus paid for the old covenant and initiated the new covenant when he said what? It is finished. And in that... It is fulfilled. It, in that second... Well, the, the, the word there, again, is the word teleos, which, which is something that speaks... Of a journey to an end, and amazingly enough, it's one of the one of the scriptures that that blow away the concept that you can actually obey the Bible. I I hear it over and over and over again. No, but you must obey the Bible. No, but you must obey the Bible. Okay, then be perfect, as God is perfect. It's in the Bible. Jesus said, He spoke to His disciples and He said, "Be perfect." Like your father in heaven is perfect. Now, ha, go ahead. Just do that, please. Okay, so that word does not mean perfection. It means journey to perfection. So that when Jesus spoke, now anyway, I will clarify it later. But when Jesus spoke, he spoke to you, he speaks to your heart. He speaks, God couldn't care less where you are. What he wants to know is where you're going. God couldn't care less who you are. What he cares for is who do you want to be. And so it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your dedication. It's a matter of turning around and saying, Okay, you know what? I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going that way. Yeah, but you got a thousand kilometers to cover. Yeah, but I can take the first step. And so now it's a thousand kilometers minus one step. So... Uh, when does the new covenant start? So it, 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 the, the new covenant begins with the death of Christ. Okay? Which tells me something. That the gospels as such are not part of the new covenant. Which now begs the question. When Jesus spoke to the people, who was he representing? Was he representing a high priest of the new covenant or a high priest in the old covenant? In the old covenant. And that's the reason why, who's the real Jesus? Because Jesus, I can tell you, one of the scriptures that he, that he hit them with was, Be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. He said, Forgive others like God forgives you. No, sorry. He said, Pray this. Father, forgive us as we forgive others. Okay, now how, how, how are you going to do with that one? Because that, my friend, is a death prayer. You're asking God to kill you. Unless, of course, your name is Jesus and you forgive. Okay? Which I don't think that's the case. So what, is it, what, what he was doing, he was talking to Israel under the, the power of, the, of, a, of an Old Testament high priest trying to tell his people, you trying to do it in your own strength and you can't do it. Because I tell you something, I... If you ask, you, you want to you wanna know how difficult it is, okay, you need to pray this prayer. Father, forgive me as I forgive others. And the moment you say, and the moment you stop, and like I said, the moment you stop the momentum, the religious momentum, and you stop for a second and you think, you say, whoa, 
What have I been praying? What have I been asking God to do? Forgive me like I forgive others? I'm dead. I'm straight to hell. Don't pass go. Don't collect 200 grand. Go straight to hell. There is no ways that you... Why? And Jesus was trying... Oh, we haven't got time. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, the <coughs> Sermon on the Mount, parables one after the other. He was making it so hard for Israel to make him understand you can't do it without me. Stop trying to obey the law. You're not going to do it. Because if you miss it, you're going to cut your hand off. And if you look too long at the good-looking chick, you've got to pluck your eye out. And if your legs take you somewhere where you're not supposed to go, you need to chop your legs off. By the time you finish, you've got this trunk. <laughs> blind. <laughs> and possibly your nose and everything else has got to be cut off because you, that's it. I mean, are we crazy? But that's what religion teaches you. You've got to... This is the Word of God. You know what? This is not the Word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. Who was that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word of God, not the Bible. Okay. And now that we've put that on away, let's see. Uh, one new man from the, from the two. What does that mean? It means that now Jesus was talking, was ministering to Israel under the Old Covenant in the Gospels. And of course, the, the whole Old Covenant was directed at... And please, don't, don't misunderstand me. Grace existed right from the Garden of Eden. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. So God had already prepared the solution before the problem arose. Adam didn't catch God by surprise. The solution to that was already there. But what did Adam do? He turned his finger and he said, The woman that you have given me, she made me do it. And from that moment on, man has always blamed somebody else instead of saying, Me, I am the guilty one, and you know what? There is nothing I can do to save myself. So help! Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word calls in the, in the original Greek is a very simple <coughs> Word and it means help, cry out for help. That's how you get saved. Is when you get to the end of your abilities and you say, There's nothing else that I can do. Help me, God, because if you don't help me, I'm done. I'm fried, I'm cooked, I'm done. And that's the moment when God doesn't care what you've done, what you will do, who you are, who you're not. He will drop His blood into your heart and cleanse it once and forever. <laughs> Amen. Let's go. So, uh, so yeah, one, one man or the two, what does it mean? It means that the people that he was talking to, Israel, and the new people, the Gentiles, uh, both Ephesians and, uh, and various other, other, other scriptures, brings them together through the, through the splitting of the veil and through the finishing of the covenant. He brings the two together. Now, all of a sudden, there's not two people anymore. There's only one. In Christ... Or in Adam. And if you remember, another thing that, uh, that, uh, that was a bit uh, <laughs> controversial was the fact that uh, I told you that Jesus didn't come for us. 
in terms of teaching in the Gospels. Jesus himself said it twice. He said, I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Peter in the book of Acts, when he speaks to Cornelius and everything, he says, the word that was sent to the children of Israel. When Jesus sends the apostle out and he says, freely you have received, freely you give, cast out the demons, heal, do this, do that, do the other. He says, don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the, to go to the sheep of the house of Israel. So the whole, up until the moment when Jesus said it is finished, everything was for Israel. <coughs> so now what do we do? We go and take parables. That will send you to hell on a, on a handbasket. I mean, we'll, the, woo, they just will we'll take them and apply them to us. And then we do even better. We go into the Old Testament and we pull out some scriptures from the Old Testament. And we say, okay, Deuteronomy 28. All the blessings are mine. Yeah, well, carry on. Because Deuteronomy 28 starts with this word. If. If you obey my commandments, and if you do what I tell you to do, then these blessings will follow you. And then he gives you 14 verses of blessing. Then Deuteronomy 28, 15, that nobody quotes, says, But if you don't, your teeth are going to fall out. Your toes are going to... You're going to have... Well, tree bland, what? <laughs> bland. The, you, you got, your hair's gonna fall out. Your dog's gonna eat your cat. Your cat's gonna eat your fish. Your fish is gonna eat your grandmother. Your, it's gonna be a mess. Fifty-four verses of curses. But we don't look at that because we we don't know that those verses were thrown at Israel to try to shake their numbness to the fact that without God you can't do it. Okay, so, uh, what did I do? <coughs> oh, I, I, I went back. Okay, sorry. And, um, so who's the real one man after the, after the two? Set your reminder. Then we, we, you remember that we spoke about the, 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 the rooster in the life of Peter? That every time, if you, if you don't if you don't believe that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from, from sin and condemnation once and for all, every time that you have to confess your sin, you will set a reminder on your, on your iPhone, and the thing will go, You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Why? Because you don't believe that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you of your sin. And so every, that's what Hebrews 6 says, that every year the, the, through, the, through the Old Testament uh, procedure of, uh, of the Yom Kippur, of, of taking the goat and, 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 lay, and laying hands on the head of the goat and putting the, 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 the sin of Israel on the head of the goat and then uh, killing the one and releasing the other. For a year, the sin of Israel was covered. Kippur. From, from the word kaporet, which means to cover. Okay, Yom Day and Kippur means the day of covering. That was the day when the sin of Israel was covered in the eyes of God by the blood of a goat. Okay? And that's what the, the, the book of, of uh, Hebrews says. It says, but now we don't have the blood of the goat. Because in that 
situation, every year you had a reminder of the fact that you're still a sinner. Because you still have to repent. And you know what? Nothing has changed. We take a verse like 1 John 1, 9, completely out of context, that says, uh, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to, re to, uh, to forgive us of all our sins and to wash us of all unrighteousness. It's totally out of context, but we don't, maybe next, next week. But we take that and what we do? We do what the Catholics do. The Catholics do it in a box, in a wood, dark wooden box. There's a guy in there that couldn't care less who you are. Does he can't even see you. Okay, he's in there. And the first thing that you say when you sit down is, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. And immediately you bring the curse of sin on you and you remind yourself that you're a sinner. And so day after day after day, you, you go to confession and you remind yourself you're a sinner. The blood of Jesus was not good enough. And the same thing we do with that verse 1 John 1 9. Because what do we do? Well, when, when, you, when you sin, confess it. And I'm not saying, you know why you confess it? You confess it because it's, it's yuck. It's just, you know... We don't have time, but John 13 shows when Jesus goes and washes the feet of the disciples. What? Well, nice shoes, Greg. Thank you. He washes the feet of the disciples. Why? Because the feet are the only thing that gets dirty. When you walk out outside, you pick up the dirt of the outside, and then you bring it back home. And Jesus, and we don't have time to talk about the fact, the fact that the son has permission to take the dirt from outside back home because he wears sandals. But the slave has got to take his sandals off because he cannot take the... Okay. So, he washes his feet. And why? And he says to, he says to Peter, Peter, those who've taken a bath don't need any more washing. But let me wash your feet so that you can get rid of that gunk. And guys, the blood of Jesus has washed away your sin once and for all. But you're going to sin. And that gunk will hang on what Paul says to your members. And will make you heavy. You will not be able to run the race. You will not be able to smile. You will not... The consequences of sin will be heavy on your life. And Jesus says, just ask me to wash your feet. How difficult is that? Let me, let's get that thing. And what does that do? That gets it out of your head. Not Jesus' head. The, son, the blood of Jesus has already forgiven you of all the sins that you have committed. Commi you are committed and you will commit. Ever. Already done. But by confessing it... By bringing it to Jesus' attention and say, oh, Please, Lord, I'm, I, I'm sorry, just wash that thing off of me. You get rid of it. You get rid of it because you say, Okay, now, Jesus is what? And you know you are cleansed, but there's something in the nature of man that refuses to believe that once cleansed, always cleansed. And I know that even now, some of you, Something is still turning in your head and saying, yeah, but. Let's carry on. So, does it become a license to sin? No, we've seen that you can sin without a license. So, that's not the point. Uh, and then we've seen saint or sinner. That, that dichotomy, uh, religious dichotomy that says within you there are two natures. One is a saint and the other one is a sinner. And the saint, needs, you, you need to feed the saint so that the saint becomes stronger and the sinner slowly dies. No, the sinner is dead. 
You are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You, you are a new creation. Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, the biggest obstacles uh, to, the, to the concept of grace. This is the, what the religious people always, uh, what uh, uh, Jack Swindle calls the grace killers. Amazingly, my wife is busy reading a book, and, and every now and then she gives me quotes, and she says, look, this is what you're saying. And the guy wrote it 10 years ago, Jack Swindle, and he calls it Chuck, sorry, sorry, Chuck Swindle. Uh, a Jack, Chuck. Uh, and, and, uh, and he says, he calls them grace killers. Why? Because they'll come to you and they will quote Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. When you've got time, read it. But uh, otherwise, buy the lesson, whatever it is. Since penalty red card, we saw what happened to, uh, to David when he committed sin with Bathsheba. We saw that the little boy that was conceived died. So we, 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 we looked at the thing and we, we realized that sin has consequences. Even to innocent people, even to people that don't deserve it. You sinned, your children pay. You sin, your wife pays. You as a child, you as a son sin, your parents pay. Because they have to get you out of jail, they have to... They, they, they hurt, they, you know, some people die, some people, their heart is so broken because of what the children do. So, David's take on grace, we, we saw Psalm 23, and we, under a new light, and then we saw that the anchor of grace holds the boat, and that was last Sunday, last Sunday, last Monday. Uh, tonight... I'm not going to talk about toilets. <laughs> Tonight, I want to talk about a concept that I pray to God that will again shake any religious cobwebs that might be left in your mind. From the beginning of our lives, everything has been about us. How? As a child, if you behaved, you got recognition from your, from, from your parents. If, if you were good, you, you would get a, a, a toy, you would get a, a hug, you would get a, a, an acknowledgement. Uh, Mom would hug you, oh, you're such a good boy. And it's been natural to all of us. We've all grown up with that. Then you become a teenager, then you go to school, and to school is the same thing. You study, you produce, you get good marks. You get good marks, you get, uh, your father gives you present. So everything is always based, it's always been based on us. Marriage, same thing. When it's not based on Christian understanding, it's the same thing. You love me, you're tender, you're passionate, you buy me presents, right? I, I respond to you. You're a piece of chicken dropping, you do, do this, you don't treat me well, you do that. I, I, I put poison in your spaghetti. <laughs> That's it. That's how we... Don't nod your head like that. <laughs> so, that, that's, that's always been how story... From the beginning of time, that's we, we, we do something, we either rewarded or punished. And it's always been about us. Now tonight, I want to tell you that it's not about you. 
That is the title of my talk. It's not about you. Because if you don't understand this concept, you will never understand grace. Because you're hooked. Every one of us is hooked in the understanding of I do this, God does that. Because we've grown up with I do this, Dad does that. I do this, teacher does that. I do this, boyfriend does that. I do this, husband does that. I do this, boss does that. Everything it's always been based on me, on my performance, on what I bring to the party. But in Christianity, it's not about you. Matthew 13.44, the story of the treasure in the field. You remember that Jesus talks about the guy that finds a treasure in the field, hidden in the field. And because of that, he goes home and he sells everything he has and he buys that field. Now, the treasure is the thing that gives value to the field. The ground has got no meaning, has got no value, has got no significance. No matter what Mark 4 says. The ground has got no significance. It is the treasure in the ground that gives significance to the ground. And the second one is Colossians 3.3 that, that Paul tells us that your life, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I want to give you a, a little illustration. Supposing this is God and that's you. Okay? This is what religion does. You get saved and you get in Christ. Okay? But you're still there. I can still see you. You're still down there. In fact, if I want to, I can fish you out. I can fish you out. I can fish you out. See, that is religion. It's about you. You're still in there. This is this is this is what religion tells you. You're in Christ. You're saved. The blood of Jesus has forgiven you of all sin, as long as you don't sin again. Am I right or not? He has forgiven you of all sin. We don't have a problem with that. As long as you don't sin again. Because then he hasn't forgiven you of all sins. <coughs> you're forgiven forever as long as you don't sin again. Because then you're not forgiven forever. You just have to. So in other words, what? You're still there. This is what religion does. This is what grace does. Now you see it. You're in Christ. You divide it. Take yourself out of there. Take yourself out of there. You can't do it. You can't do it because it's the same substance. It's the same thing. You're in Christ. Now, your, your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're in there. That's why if you look, I don't see you. And again, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about the, the sin in this life and the growth in this. There's the renewing of the mind, there's growing, there's learning, there's stopping. There's, you know, people say, what must I do if I sin again? 
this is a crazy idea. Stop it! <laughs> this is a totally off-the-mark idea. I mean, really. What must I do if I sin again? Stop it! Don't blame God because you're sinning. God has canceled your sin. Your, your spirit, your being is done, finished. You can't, you can't see it. It's mixed in God. It's, it's, it's part of God. You can't, there is nothing else that you can, you can't even try and pull yourself out of there. You are saved forever because of the sacrifice of Christ. Because it's not about you. It's about Him. But what do we do? We pray, we fast, we, we do nights, uh, 24 hours uh, in prayer. And, uh, why? Because it's about us. What do, we, what do we take to the party? If I pray long enough, if I fast long enough, if, I, if I'm good long enough, if I believe enough, if I do this, if I do that, if I do that, then God... No, that's about you. That's about you. The gospel is not about you. It's about Him. Everything is about Him. For God so loved the world that He shed every single drop of His blood so that humanity could be saved if they just believe it. And the moment they do, remember that balloon last week that I showed you? That I tried to, to give you. What happened, what happened last week in that balloon was, was that the, the, they have these balloons where people walk in. So remember when he popped, the guy, he was inside the balloon. I didn't explain that. but And they took that last little bit, that 25,000 frames a second. So when it popped, you saw it ripping and opening up and out comes the guy. What does that mean? Can I turn that off? Oh, sure. Uh, you guys are right. Oh. Yeah. If, you, if you get cold, I'll turn it on again. But I mean, I'm cooking it. So, um, so what, what happens is that... Uh, those when you when you make a statement like once saved always saved then you have a problem with the continue verses with the stand verses with the, with the verses where Paul says then continue in the faith then stand strong then so what does that mean that means that salvation is not a a split second. It is, but you don't know when it happens. So when, when, what Paul was saying in these verses is he starts talking to the Jews, okay? Because everybody at the time was a Jew. There were no Christians, okay? So he starts talking. He starts telling you about Jesus Christ. And you go, hmm, okay. That makes sense. Remember Hebrews 6 that he says, those of you who have tasted of the power to come and of the life and everything, taste it, but you haven't swallowed. Remember the example that I gave you when you go to the supermarket and there's a, there's a tray and they've got all the pieces of sausage or whatever cheese with a, with a little stick, and then behind them they got they got the real product. So now what you do, you taste, mm, nice, but you don't buy. So you see, that's that's when 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 someone starts talking to you and start telling you about Jesus, and you go. Mm, Tastes nice, but you don't buy it. So between the moment when you start believing and the moment when you finally take your life and you cry out to God and you realize without you I can't do it, that you don't know when you really believe. Because that's a, that's a moment in eternity that only God knows. 
And that's why he says don't judge. Because you don't know at what point of the journey that person is. He might have started or he might be two years away from starting, but he's going to start. But you don't know. So why don't we just love one another? Instead of judging and instead of pointing fingers and instead of condemning and instead of you, the, you call yourself a Christian, but you do this and you do that. What does it got to do with it? I haven't popped the balloon yet. Maybe. But the moment I pop the balloon, this one goes in there. And now you take that out. Okay, so. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures quickly. Uh, Hebrews 7, 20 to 27. Hebrews 7. Okay. This is what it says. Inasmuch as he, Jesus, was not made high priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath. But he, but him, but he with an oath, by him who said to him, The Lord is sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. But so much more, Jesus has become a surety, a guarantee, a surety, a, 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 a done deal of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Okay? They were, they were doing the sacrifices. And then one day they kicked the bucket and they died. So now you need another priest. So what happened to the sins that that guy, I mean, he started, he laid hands on, on, on the goat in, uh, in, in October. And, and, he, and, he, and he kicked the bucket in January. So now what happens to February, March, April, June of next year? I'm, I'm done. I mean, the, the guys, the, so they have to appoint another, another, another high priest. But see what happens with Jesus. He says, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save, and the word translated there is completely and forever. Those who come to God through Him, since He always lived to make intercessions for them. Since He always lived, you take this to God and you say, God, judge me. Where are you, son? I can't see you. All that I can see is the righteousness of Christ. See? He lives forever. If he died, then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. Then you've got to start again. That's why it's so crazy, this forgiveness, the sin. You sin, you ask for forgiveness, and you repent. And you... Whose blood are you going to use? Because your sins have been forgiven once and for all. And the Bible says without, without blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. So who's going to die? You're going to die? Who's going to die? Who's going to shed the blood? Or we're going to go and get a goat again. Because that's, that's the idea. We do, especially with the Catholics. You know, you do penance. What's that? It's a goat. You know, seven Hail Mary and, and four Our Father. And so. And he says, 
for such a high priest who was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sin, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once and for all. Now, it's a Bible with a black cover. This is a serious Bible, okay? <laughs> this is not just any Bible, okay? It's got a black cover, so this is serious. How many times? Once and for all. What did he do? Saved forever and completely. This is in the, this is in the Bible, but few people preach it. Because if you preach this, then you're stuck. Then you're stuck with that. And then I can sin all that I want. Well, let me tell you something. If you want to sin all that you want, then your balloons ain't popped yet. You might still considering the idea. You are still tasting. Maybe you're still tasting the little toothpicks. But your balloon has not popped yet. Because the moment the balloon's popped, your want changes. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not going to do it. But that's a scratch that you, hear, you feel in your heart when you sin. That's the thing. It's like taking a shower with your socks on. I mean, it's just something not right. <laughs> There's just something there that is not right. And why? Because your conscience suddenly has been activated. And the Holy Spirit talks to you through your conscience and He says, Ah, that wasn't right. Why don't you just shake it off and we start again? See? Okay, so He says, Once and for all. Um, okay, then uh, 27. Then we go to Galatians chapter... Galatians... Chapter 3, okay, you must, you must understand one thing. There are hundreds of scriptures, okay? There are hundreds of scriptures. I just, I just had to choose some, okay? But just, just, just to give you a, a taste of what the reality is. There are hundreds of scriptures. The whole, the whole uh, content of, of the letters, or the Pauline letters, the John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, um, the things that we've handled, that we've seen, that we touch with our hands, the, the things that we've seen, those we want to say to you. John speaks to the little children that have been cleansed once and for all. And it's all, it's all like that. Galatians 3, 15, this is what it says. It says, Brethren and sisters, I speak in the manner of, man, of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed... No one annuls or adds to it. Okay. Now, to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he does not say to seeds as of many, many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So you remember that we, I can't remember the lesson four or five, we, we, we looked at the, uh, God coming down in the shape of a fire and smoke, and walking through the pieces that Abraham had cut, prepared for the, for the ceremony of covenant. And, and God, he says, a heavy sleep fell upon Abraham. It doesn't say Abraham went to sleep. God put Abraham to sleep because he doesn't want man's participation. The covenant is between God and God. God came down in the form of fire and smoke and passed through the pieces. 
that God, through Abraham, had prepared for the cutting of the covenant. And who was that? Christ. That was one of the first epiphanies. The word is very uh, intense, but all it means, it means manifestation of, of Christ. So, one of the first manifestations of Christ was this descending as fire and smoke and cut, passing through the covenant. And God says, this covenant that I made, now, how would you like to be part of that? That's all it is. That's all it is. It's, he says, it cannot annul or add to it. See, uh, though it is only man's covenant, if confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Nobody can do it. And then he says, the seed is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. The law came 430 years later after this covenant. So how can the law touch a covenant that was eternal 430 years earlier? And he says, that it should make the promise of no effect. For, the, for if the inheritance of the law is of the law, it is no longer a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay? So, it, the, the covenant was confirmed before by God in Christ. And then the last one, Romans 6. Remember, it's not about you. 1. Through 14. Paul is saying, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I wonder if this thing didn't start already then. Paul says, I'm not saying that! But already 2,000 years ago, he got accused of saying, Let's continue to sin so that grace may abound. Let me tell you something. It's only one when you understand. So Paul didn't, he says it in another spot, but doesn't say it. It's only when you understand that yes, you can continue sin and grace will abound. It's only when you understand that that something clicks inside of you. And you take a step back and you say, you know, wow, now I understand. That is what will stop me from sinning. Is because you have done something incredible. Something where I do not have to participate. You know what? Whether I sin or not, I'm forgiven. Whether I sin or not, my life is hidden with Christ in God. Oh, I'll pay the, I'll pay the penalty. I'll pay the, 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 the consequences. Like we said with David, there will be plenty of consequences. And God, that's why God says, don't do it. That's why Jesus, when he spoke to a adulterous woman, he said, he said, Naka, don't sin anymore. Why did he say that? He said that because next time I'm not going to be around to save your bacon. Well, no, sorry, Jews, no bacon. No. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be around to save your skin. I'm not going to be around to save your life. These people are going to stone you for real next time. So don't do it again because sin has got consequences. But do I condemn you? No. Why? Because you're in there, boy. You're in there. And why are you in there? Okay, I'll tell you now. Because Gentiles are not under the law. 
And if they're not under the law, guess what? They can't sin. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Uh, or do, uh, okay, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now let me tell you something. The fact that Jesus Christ died for me, it's only half of the gospel. The totality of the gospel is that I died with Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's why I cannot sin. <coughs> Dead people don't sin. If you don't understand that you, it's not about you, it's about Him. You're dead. You're dead. You were taken out of this world and put into Christ. And the life that you live... Okay. I'm not going, okay. Now watch. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our, okay, knowing this, that our, okay, you ready? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now is this in the Bible? But nobody preaches it. They will tell you, you better stop sinning. Yeah, you better stop sinning because sin is stupid. Sin has got consequences. Sin will kill your, your marriage. Sin will kill your health. Sin will kill your mind. Sin will kill your relationships. Stop it! But are you in Christ? Yeah. Why? Because you died with Him. And dead people don't sin. <laughs> I love it. So you see, the old man, the old mama, old nature and everything. No, baloney. The old man is dead. Now inside here, Like that. Go, go and find me the old man in there. See, this, this one. Yeah, you can find this one. You can find the old man. You can fish it out. And that's why you can lose salvation when all you have is religion. But when you're in Christ, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now pull that out. Let's see how, you, how well you do. Okay, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So guess what? You died. You were resurrected with Christ. You'll never die again. <laughs> That's a new birth. That's a new birth. If you didn't do this, you still got one death to come. And if you don't die in Christ... 
The only other guy is Adam. And Adam is the flesh. And Adam represents everything that is wrong with humanity. The only one that can take you to the Father is Christ. It's not about you. It's about Him. So, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin. You ready? Drum rolls. Once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Reckon yourself to, because otherwise you're going to have a reminder of sin all the time. I can't do it because I'm a sinner. I can't do it because I don't have it. I can't do it because I'm still around, because the old man, because no, no. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin and see how that works out. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's a good idea. That you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness. And then he makes the final statement. And he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now you tell me if that, to me it's very simple, to me it makes a lot of sense, and I mean you can just carry on Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, the whole book of Romans, the, the Galatians, Ephesians, it's just one after the other, one after the other, look, look what happened, quickly. Look what happens. I mean, we haven't got time for Colossians and the, but Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter two. This is what this is what it says. It says, uh, "And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world." According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the last of our flesh. This is talking about previously, before accepting, before being dropped in the, in the, in the, in the bucket. In the last of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. In other words, we were a bunch of sinners, a bunch of good for nothing, a bunch of rejects, a bunch of yuck, okay? Now, religion will say to you, but because you changed, then God forgave you. Look what he says. But God. Not but you, it's not about you. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the fact that you repented, no, because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs>